Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Multiverse Podcast. My name is Luke. And my name is Matthew. And we have another one of our co-hosts on today, Mr. Logan. How you doing, Logan? I'm doing good, guys. Good to be here. So uh, tell us tell us what you just watched in the past 12 hours. So I woke up this morning at like 8.30, uh, went and stopped by Cameron's room to pick up the John Wick DVDs, and I spent my time from 9 a.m. until 3.30 p.m. doing nothing but watching the John Wick trilogy. And would you say nice. that that was a, uh, a good use of, of most of your day? Oh, it was a great use of my day. I hadn't seen them before, and I just got to sit there and watch cool things happen for, what, five, six straight hours? <laughs> it's the beauty of John Wick, right? You don't have to really analyze anything. It's mostly just watching Keanu Reeves just beat the crap out of everybody. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the names of most of the characters. Couldn't tell you, like, why he... Well, I mean, I know why he was doing it in the first one. Um, but, like... I wasn't thinking like why why is he doing this? I'm just like, oh no, this is this is cool. This is great. I love what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so if you haven't guessed already, we're talking about John Wick. And if you have seen our newest promo, that is yours truly with a hairdryer. That is not mine. That would be Matthew's hair dryer. But his hair is not longer than mine, believe it or not. Yeah, I would assume that it would be you, Luke, who had the hair dryer. No, I'm all natural, baby. I I have nothing to say. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be talking about John Wick this week uh, with Logan just watching it. It'll be really nice to kind of sit down and just talk about his thoughts since he's seen him fresh. Uh, so John Wick is a film series, and it started in, I believe, 2014. Yes. Um, and it has run up to 2019 with three movies. Uh, as well as being released in Fortnite. So John Wick really is across the multiverse now. Uh, and a fourth movie is planned for 2022. So, Logan, um, just kind of give us your impressions on on the first film, because these films don't really have much of a plot. Uh, like we kind of already discussed, the main point of it is just to sit there and watch Keanu Reeves just kill people in such creative ways. Uh, and the first one... His wife dies, and he gets a dog to kind of take care of after she passes away. And then mobsters kill the dog, and he goes after them. And that's, like, basically the entire plot. Yeah. It's not just mobsters. It's uh, it's, it's Russian. It's Theon Greyjoy from Game of Thrones. Is that who that is? Yeah, Alfie Allen. He uh, he plays the, like, I forget I forget all the names as well. They're not very memorable characters, but they're just fun to watch. But uh, he's the mobster's son, the one who, like, kills the dog, steals the car. All of it. That's him. He always plays really scummy characters in shows, and or, like, shows and movies. And most of the time, he gets, like, a cool redemption arc. Like, he's also in, uh, he's also in Jojo Rabbit, which is that Taika Waititi film that came out in 2019. Very, very, very good movie. Definitely one that I would highly recommend to anybody. It's... It is a satire about uh, basically Nazi Germany, but it's like it's portrayed in a way where like they're making fun of like that era without making fun of super sensitive stuff. You know, like if that makes sense, like they're not edgy with the humor, like it's just kind of all like 
I don't even know how to explain it without giving anything away. But Taika Waititi plays Hitler in the movie, which is funny because he is Jewish in real life. So what better way to stick it to the man? Back to John Wick. Yeah, Alfie Allen is a scumbag. <laughs> what, what better way to stick it to the man than watching John Wick and having him kill the man? You know True. What I mean? um, yeah, I didn't know anything really about the movies other than the line, they asked me if I'm back. I'm thinking I'm back. <laughs> and that he basically did everything because uh, his dog died. I didn't know like the premise of anything else. I just knew cool guy doing awesome kills um he's back yeah so like when i first sat down and watched uh the, the first movie i'm like all right so because it opens up like at the end of the movie technically but you don't know that at the start but you know it does that and then it goes to the flashback and it's like the whole thing with like hey how much uh how much you selling your car for and it's like uh not selling there's a price for everything that was a cool line especially later on uh, when he said it again, like right before he killed that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's kind of heartbreaking that you know he got out of this whole life. Uh, wife dies, and at her like departing gift because of this sickness is this dog that will remind him of her, and that it's immediately killed. Yeah. Every, every because of that, everything that. John Wick does is justified to me. I think that, like, out of all the John Wick movies, the first one is probably the most iconic, but it's probably the least important to the franchise. Yeah, the, the first one... Out of the three. It's like, it's, it's like not even him really coming back, because that happens in the second movie. It's like a safe... It's a safe way to open up a franchise that's going to be super violent and dark. Yeah, it's a good introduction to the world of John Wick. And, like, that film, compared to the rest of the series, it almost feels kind of tame with with the way that the kills are and stuff like that. I feel like after that movie, everything just went bonkers. They they did not hold back with, with, the, create, with the creativity and just, like, the violence of, of the kills. Yeah, they got, definitely got progressively more creative between the first and second movies. Um what else? What do you what, what did you think of the first one? Like, just give it an honest, like, out of 10. I'd give the first one, like, at least a 7 out of 10. That is a movie that I enjoyed watching, and I would love to sit down and watch it again. That's fair. I'd probably give it something similar, probably like a 6.5. Yeah. The one issue I have, though, with having sat down and watched every single one of them all together is that I can't really distinguish, like, where one ends or where one starts. I just know the big points of the three and that is interesting because they do start the movies where the last one ends so it's supposed to be like just one continuous story mm -hmm. that's spread across different chapters um but that definitely makes it difficult to kind of be like which movie is which because they all just they bleed together because the stories are supposed to do that mm -hmm. and you know they are called chapters for a reason it's all the same story just divided a little bit yeah I, I really liked that aspect of it, though. Yeah, it was good. It was cool, because, like, there was no... Because there were no, like, huge time skips or anything, there was no real off-screen events that happened. It's like, I know exactly what was going on at the beginning and end of each movie, um, and immediately how it connected. Um, 
there wasn't like some big introduction of a new character who I just kind of had to accept came in while mm-hmm. off-screen stuff was happening. It was just more people being introduced, like the D'Amantio, whatever the the brother and sister in the second movie were. Like they were just introduced, yeah, in a in a natural way. It wasn't like off-screen. Like they were introduced to me in a good way uh, to set up that second film. And I think another positive of having it split up into chapters uh, and just starting and ending, well, starting where the other one ended, is that if you have a time jump between movies, you have to be like, okay, well, now why does John Wick have to get back into killing again because he was retired and, you know, he started again because of the dog. Maybe, you know, he's done for five more years. Now what do we get back? Like, it, it, it'll feel forced. Like, you can't tell. They're basically the same story. Something happens to John Wick. John Wick kills people. John Wick ends up victorious in some way. So, like, Obviously, each film has that same formula, but since they all go together, it's not like it's come up with a completely different reason why he he starts fighting again. It's just one single reason that's been spread across multiple multiple films. Do you have a favorite kill from this movie? Or I know that you said that it kind of blends together, but was there any kill that stood out that was like super memorable to you? Uh, I can give two that will a hundred three scenes that will 100% stand out um the first scene was when he was riding the horse on the I think they're all from the third film actually but yeah okay that save it save it save it then yeah but all three of my like favorite scenes and kills are from the third movie so we'll talk about that when we get to the third movie (laughs) okay cool what about you Matt do you have a favorite kill Matt uh, I think the part where he's in the club, um, I think it's towards the end, uh, or maybe a little bit in the middle, uh, but when he's chasing down the guy and he's in the club, it's just really beautifully shot. Uh, and he goes into the bathroom and he, he shoots the guy and just holds his hand over his mouth and he doesn't say anything. He just like the way he stares him in the eyes is super duper just satisfying because you can just see the fear in the guy who just got shot. Uh, and then a few minutes later, he comes around, John Wick comes around the corner and he and the guy are both out of ammo and he has to reload quickly and just shoot him. I don't know. It just felt really natural because a lot of times in movies, we don't see the, the person reloading. It's almost as if they have infinite ammo, but you know, John Wick, this is all supposed to be super realistic. So, you know, he runs out of ammo and it just, it was just really cool to see that grounded part, but also just, you know, how fast he is reloading his guns. Yeah. Um, the reload kills. I know for a fact that this one was in the first movie because I watched the first one uh, with Cameron before he had to pack up and leave for the weekend. There was one kill where he just ran out of ammo and while the person was still like disoriented and trying to get back to themselves so that they could counterattack or whatever, he just reloads his gun and pops him in the head it it was it was funny and it was really satisfying to see that see that's the thing that like with john wick like it's all like if this happened in real life like if you watch somebody get shot in the head in real life you'd be like you'd be shocked right but something about the way that the movies are shot makes it satisfying almost i don't know if that says anything about me and maybe i have like like maybe i have sociopathic tendencies but no, I know what you mean, because it's just the way things are stylized. It reminds me a lot of things in the Kingsman movies, where it's not like choppy cut. Everything is really smooth, and just the way that things seem so fluid, it's like, uh, 
it's like a dance like you know everybody kind of plays their parts and they're all moving around each other and it just it's beautiful to watch because of the way that they've they've choreographed everything and you know we it's very rare for us to see someone actually getting shot in real life so seeing it stylized in a way uh and the film is almost like less severe than seeing it in person if that makes any sense yeah, oh, 100%. Because you know it's fake. Yeah, if I saw somebody, this happen, like if I was standing in that club and I actually watched a guy like reload and shoot someone in the head, I would not have thought that was cool in any way. I'd be like, what the heck just happened? But since since I know it's fake, I'm like, I really love just the way that it's so it's so fluid and he seems so natural at doing everything. You're watching a master. I'm watching Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga. Uh, Luke, do you have a favorite kill then? I do. Uh, it comes, I think it's like maybe two thirds of the way into the movie, maybe a little later than that. It's Alfie Allen's character is like hidden in like a safe house. That's just like surrounded by guards with like snipers and different sorts of like assault rifles and stuff. And John is just picking them off one by one. I love the shot where his friends playing video games with like the sound on really, really loud. And then he's like, uh, he's yelling at like the friend to turn the volume down. And like when he does after like the second or third time, you just see his head kind of explode. <laughs> yeah. That was a really, really good scene. It was really well done too. Like it just, it does feel like it, it's meant to feel realistic in some cases, but then there are also times when you're sitting there thinking like, there's no way that one person could take out this many armed guards. Like, cause he sustains so many injuries throughout this entire movie and he just keeps going but man it is so fun to watch um any other thoughts on the first john wick um i think this is great we didn't really have a lot of a lot of things like this um and i still feel like a lot of movies don't live up to the sort of stylized action uh of john wick i think the only other one that can even compete is is kingsman um and even then, it's mostly the violence is done for comedy, where this one is a lot more serious. So big ups to to them taking the risk of making a movie when things were, you know, I feel like 2014 and 2015, about that time, a lot of big movies were coming out. Uh, and I feel like it was kind of a risk to just have a movie where there's hardly any plot, super heavy rated R, but they totally pulled it off. And now there's a whole entire franchise. So, yeah, I think I think one of my favorite things about John Wick just like as a character is the fact that he doesn't really talk a whole lot and when he does it's just like yeah yeah and that's all he says that's all he has to say he has this like looming presence where he doesn't really have to say anything because you can you can either tell what he's thinking or you just kind of have to sit back and watch him just do everything you know what I mean yeah like like the scene mm -hmm. uh from the first movie where he's calling uh the guy's dad or the guy's dad calls and is like hey do you are, are you really gonna kill my son and he doesn't say anything just hangs up i love that part yeah they establish really quick that you do not want to mess with john wick yeah he's a bad dude i also really like it's not a kill but i like the part when he's taking the sledgehammer to his basement yes and just destroying the floor to to get um to get all of the guns and, and coins and stuff like that. I thought that just really showed backstory without exposition dumping, dumping all over the place. Dumping. Dumping. Uh, 
I think that that the entire film series does a really good job of not doing any sort of exposition dump. It's usually brought up really naturally or shown visually. Uh, a lot of show and don't tell. And I think that that even is a lot with the world building. You kind of get a sense that's the, that the whole entire John Wick world is being lived in, um, especially in the second, third one when they're at the hotel uh, and the rules are brought up and stuff like that. You can totally tell that a lot of thought has been put into it. And they're like, yeah, this is how this world would work. And people are apl- uh, abiding by these rules. And it all just feels really lived in and adds to that realism effect with, with the violence and, and the action and stuff like that. So I think those all just really go well hand in hand. I'm glad you brought up the sledgehammer scene because it gave me the first time I watched it. I don't know if either of you guys have seen the Punisher on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there or not since Disney now has the rights to them. But um, there's like the opening scene in Punisher or like one of the opening scenes is just Frank Castle working on this construction site. And for like multiple days on end, he's just hitting like they're doing. I guess they're doing demolition. But he they like he just for multiple days on end, he's just swinging a sledgehammer at a wall trying to break it. And then he's having like, you know, the Punisher flashbacks to his family getting killed and stuff. And then a couple of like his coworkers kind of mess with him. And I, if I remember correctly, it's been a few years since I've seen it, but he kills all of them with the sledgehammer. But, um, i the other point I was going to make is, and you mentioned it is like everything in this happens so naturally, and at the same time, there's almost no plot to this movie, but the world building is so well crafted. I don't see that happening with a lot of movies that have been coming out just lately in general. Like looking at like Wonder Woman 1984, I don't feel like anything in that movie happened naturally. But this movie with no plot just has like phenomenal world building skills. And it's not like they said, oh, let's not do a plot so we can have world building. It was really they if I don't remember who exactly was all involved, but they just wanted to show off Keanu Reeves' skills and make like an action movie. And just somehow, miraculously, they have this fantastic world building and they didn't have any sort of trade-offs for anything. I think that if they had a plot to it, it would make the movie really dull. If they gave John like some sort of really, I don't know, any sort of reason other than just revenge for going out there and doing things, it would just kind of bog down the plot. It'd be like, he has to do this thing and this thing and... Uh, I'm I'm almost thinking as if it was styled like the Mandalorian, like he's trying to do his his mission of getting revenge, but then somebody stops him like, "Hey, I need you to do something for me," and he has to do side missions and stuff. I think that not having a plot actually helps the film. Yeah, all the like, there's a lot of development that just comes with watching John just kind of kill people because like he kills important people, and that's just part of what the universe is. But a lot of the good like world building happens in the dialogue like the the, you know like the four minute scenes between massive fight scenes you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and it really they really capitalize on that in the second one especially adding on to the thing about like the world building uh being done while killing people i think a lot of the interactions that he has with some of like the more key players that he has fights with are really really cool um and it really because john wick doesn't talk a whole lot it allows his personality to like, even though he's all stoic and whatever it, it like, it shows he has this personality and likes to mess with people. And like, he plays along with whatever is going on with the other person. And like one of the examples I'm thinking of specifically is like in the third movie. So we'll get there, but I think it's cool. I think a good example of that is when he's trying to enter the club and the bouncer is like standing outside and he sneaks up on him and he's like, 
John, and then I don't remember the the bouncer's name, but they have a conversation and he lets him go. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was that was yeah. a really good scene. That reminds me of of at the beginning when John his house is infiltrated and he kills everybody, and the policeman shows up and he just go he just says, "Oh, you're back to work." And I think that it was also just one of those funny scenes where you see the world building has already been done and how these characters have already interacted before. And I, I mean, this movie is actually funny. Like if you, if you think about it, there are so many comedic moments in there that, that seem serious, but you know, the whole part with the bouncer, that is really funny. And the, um, the part with, with the, with the policeman coming back and saying, Oh, you're back to work. I just think that really those, both of those parts show the world building. Um, yeah without having to just be too much like oh hey we know each other blah 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 remember we did this thing together blah 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 it's just like hey boom we know each other connection respect yeah i think another cool thing with the world building the 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 coins that they have Mm -hmm. those coins you give them to somebody and it's like it shows that everyone is kind of in the know everyone sort of knows what's going on so it's not like it's not like they just have to say oh that it's happening because it's happening uh no it's like this is the world that they live in and a lot of people know yeah it doesn't seem as underground of a society the more that you see him just interacting with people mm-hmm. casually mm-hmm. it just kind of seems like something that like everybody is in on and you definitely see that happen at the end of the second movie and the start of the third movie like everybody knows um this, this might be a bad uh comparison i'm not sure I've only played a little bit of cyberpunk, but it kind of reminds me of that with how um, you'll play, you're playing as the character and there are all these bad things that are happening. And sometimes I'm kind of like, Oh yeah, this is an isolated event. You know, I'm the only one that knows about it, but then you talk to people and everybody else kind of understands because it's not as, it's not a secret. Like you said, you know, the first time I watched it, I was like, Oh wow. They have this whole underground assassin thing. But the second time that I watched it and as I watched the second movie, I realized how much more this, this whole, um, corporation the assassin guild whatever it's called is actually integrated into normal people's lives yeah uh there was one scene in one of the movies i don't remember which one it might have been the beginning of the second um but like i was i was watching it and i noticed like in the background there's just normal traffic going by and no one no one was batting an eye and like even in some of the scenes where they're just like in the middle of the street having a fight like yeah no one really bats an eye so it's kind of like all this stuff is like a career for some people and everyone is just like eh, better not get in their way let them do their thing <laughs> yeah i'd be curious to see them kind of dive into that a little bit in like the fourth movie to see if like oh this is what it's like when you're not involved this is what it looks like if you accidentally get involved or if you you know try and stop people from fighting are you gonna get caught in the crossfire you know what i mean yeah an interesting short film to make would just be somebody who happens to be around for most of uh, John Wick's fight. <laughs> like he's just in the right place at, at the right time in New just, York City. That would be so funny. <laughs> I can totally imagine just, that. It's a three-second short film of he's just walking across the street, and then he just gets <laughs> shot, and then it's like directed by Matthew Barton, and then that's it. I totally know what you mean. I can totally see that. Like, like this guy, this this person is just chilling. Like they're walking across the street or whatever, uh, you know, texting on their phone across the crosswalk, and all of a sudden someone's gets like thrown through the window, and he's like, "Oh, look! I guess John Wick's back to business." <laughs> just turn around, put your hands in your pockets, and just whistle like do do do. Just step over the dead body that fell in front of you. 
Uh, just like, come on, it's a Tuesday. Get out of the way. All right, second film. Uh, what did we like? I think this is my favorite out of the three. I it's definitely my favorite. I'm gonna have to rewatch the second one again because, like I said, it doesn't like I I don't really distinguish the beginning and mm -hmm. end of each like and. Well, you also took a fat nap halfway through. I it, did take so. a fat nap. It was only in like one important scene. <laughs> there's not that many important scenes though, where there's dialogue. You missed you missed one of like the two. Yeah, it is what it is. I'll watch it again. Um, but I do remember most of what happens. I think. Yeah. Um, I think I I like this one the most because it really it really did a good job of just making the the things from the first one better. Mm -hmm. All of the action is like ten times better, and I didn't think that was possible. You know, when I when I watched the first, I was like, "There's nothing that can top this." I'm sure the second one's good, but not you know not as good. I think all the action is better. I kind of like the plot more, even though I can't remember off the top of my head exactly everything that happens. Uh, and I was absolutely blown away by like the final fight in the the mirror maze thing. Like the I don't remember what the exact thing is. The uh, hall of was mirrors. Some, the art museum. Yeah, the hall of mirrors. It had some fancy name. Beautiful. Just the way that they did everything was it was gorgeous. And that ref that mirror place was called uh, the reflections of the soul experience yes yes i knew it was something super fancy artsy yeah it's a lot more creative than the first one which is cool because it makes it a, little, a lot more entertaining like i know that there are times where i've i've watched the first john wick maybe three four times and there have been times where like it's just a lot of like slow fighting I guess not necessarily slow fighting, but after a while you become desensitized because it's all like gunfights for like five, ten minutes, or then it's like fist fighting for like ten minutes, and then like by the end it's just kind of like yeah, whatever. He punched a guy and now he's dead. Mm -hmm. The yep. second one, yeah, is a lot cooler because there's just so much good setup. Especially the second one is the one with the pencil scene, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they yeah. talk about in the first one how he kills a guy with nothing but a pencil, and then you see it happen in the second one. It is just brutal he kills two people yeah i was gonna say he kills two people with a pencil yeah they joke about uh like so many people are like yeah he once killed three guys in a bar with a pencil and then we actually get to see him do that same thing in the second movie that was really cool because you know it, it could just be a tall tale you know they tell within the the assassin go oh yeah i heard john wick killed three people with a pencil and then you see it happen you're like oh well apparently he can kill people with pencils um there is, a, there is a part in the second one that goes along with what we were saying with people not noticing or just kind of living their lives. When they're in the subway and they're shooting at each other with the uh, the silenced pistols, I mean... Oh, that was the, that scene was the second movie? Yeah, that was the second one. Oh, I thought it was the third. But yeah, that was one of my favorite scenes where just simply walking in a, a huge crowd of people and just taking pot shots at each other and like... Every single one misses them and everybody around. It's so funny. Uh, that was also, ooh, I just I just remembered and then I forgot. There's something else that happened that I was like, this is really big. This is cool. Um, oh, the respect between between the the assassins, because I don't remember what the guy's name is, but it's the one that's kind of hunting John down at the end. The one that ends up fighting him on the subway. He almost seems to have like a respect for John, and we see this again in the third one. So it's almost, you know, it's like the phrase, it's just business. Like, these guys actually are like, John Wick is, you know, he's the Baba Yaga. I don't want to mess with him. But 
it's it's business they they have to do it and that just adds a whole another layer of the world building yeah because at the end of their fight um they look at each other and john wick is like gin and then his opponent's like bourbon right like they know each other's drinks and then they go get them together i think that's awesome that's so cool to see that kind of an interaction um to set up this world like yeah these these people aren't doing it because they have personal grudges it's just business yeah uh i think the second one is my favorite but i i don't know why i can't remember much about the second one it's probably the one that i've seen the least to be honest i know that the second one has the biggest kill count uh because i looked it up right before we started the first movie has 77 kills chapter 2 has 128 and chapter 3 has 94 which is a lot i think that the best kill in the movie is the one with uh, with the pencil. So I'm trying to think of another one that was really cool because that's just the one that always... Whenever I think of John Wick 2, the the mirror part and the pencil part are the parts that I immediately think of. So I'm trying to remember um, what else there was because I know that he has the whole part where he's at the concert and he goes underground and he's like laying out the weapons for himself, knowing how many people are probably going to be there. So he like strategically places them out so when he'll run out of ammo and whatnot which i just thought was also cool just to show how much of a master he is it's like scary how well like planned out he was for that up op- like that operation mm-hmm. and that's the scene the concert part is where he goes is that ruby rose's character i, f- I kind of forget no um, it's like no, no it's, it's not talks- you're right to the one girl and she ends up killing herself that's it i can't remember her character's name i was looking at the cast list and i just could not find her on here ruby rose is the the mute one right yes now that you met yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that's her she is really really cool she was a she was a really cool character i liked her a lot and that's just another way that they take a character who doesn't say anything and they make them completely awesome just by showing character development through action yeah, and not to mention that we get introduced to Lawrence Fishburne's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is... He's a really weird character. I didn't understand it the first time I watched it. I still don't understand it. He runs, like, an information service, basically, right? I'm, yeah, that's kind of how I interpreted it. But they, like, send doves with USB sticks and stuff like that to send out their information. It seems like... It's such... It's so weird because, like like pigeon messaging is so primitive but then they're sending usb sticks it's almost like they don't want people to have any chance of intercepting it wirelessly i wonder if that's what it is so they're sending it you know with pigeons but still it's it's weird yeah like he said um with the pigeons uh there's no way that anyone can trace where it actually came from or anything like that it's Mm -hmm. you know intercepting it might still be a thing but if you know who's going to be looking to steal a pigeon and also, that guy was one of my favorite characters. I loved the Birdman. <laughs> Don't care what his real name is, Birdman. Birdman. I, I was glad that he showed up in the third one as well. Oh, yeah, that was cool. And isn't this the first time since Matrix that Keanu and Lawrence were together? Probably. I'm pretty sure that because I, I thought that there was like a big deal made out of it with the fact that they were back together again um, since doing the Matrix films. I can't think of any other time where they would have been in a movie between now and then because keanu's like career kind of took a dip after he refused to play in the second speed movie Mm -hmm. i know that john wick actually makes a reference to the matrix in the third one which we can get to later but right 
it is kind of cool to see, you know. And there's a reference to the Matrix in um, Cyberpunk, the exact same one as he makes in John Wick, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just on one of the TVs. It's the part where, I mean, this isn't any spoilers or anything for the third one. It doesn't matter. But somebody asks John what he needs, and he just says, guns, lots of guns. Uh, and in the Matrix, they say that, and there's, like, all these rows of guns that all of a sudden disappear, and that happens um, in Cyberpunk just on one of the TVs for, like, a Second Amendment right commercial or something. Hmm. Which is just funny, seeing all the Keanu movies being, or Keanu multiverse being connected. The Keanu content. The Keanu-verse. The Keanuverse. Keanu is in Fortnite, which is how he was able to go to all these different universes. He appears really briefly in the first one, but uh, Lance Reddick in the second movie is really, really funny. Is That's the guy who plays... His name in the movie is Charon. He's like oh, the, the desk worker for the, the Continental. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's amazing. He's voice. also Commander Zavala in the Destiny games. He's also... Commander Zavala. He's other characters as well. He's he's been he was in The Wire, which is like a really highly rated show. Uh, he was in Angel Has Fallen. Um, he's going to be in the Godzilla vs Kong movie. He's in One Night in Miami. I'm kind of just looking at his IMDb profile. My roommate Devin is a big Destiny two. Uh, he's a big Destiny two guy. Um, Poor man. Yeah, and he was in his bed behind me the whole time I'm watching these movies. But as soon as he heard that voice, he like wakes up, pops up and says, is that Commander Zavala? <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah. And he says, just says Commander Zavala and then goes right back to sleep. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. There's a, there's a theory and not necessarily a theory, um, more of just a connection to mythology. I don't remember what, uh, the guy who runs the continent. So I don't remember Winston. what his name is. Uh, yeah. Winston. Winston, yeah. But there's a theory that, like, you know, uh, the guy that works at the desk, his name was... Uh, what's, what's his name? Charon. Yeah, and that's that's a mythology name, like Greek mythology, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there was, like, a whole thing with um, people were able to connect, uh, like, the underworld or Hades or something like that. Or some... I don't remember what the entire thing is. It's it's a whole thing. I was watching a video about it a couple, a couple years ago when I first watched John Wick. But I just thought it was kind of interesting. Not even that necessarily that they did it on purpose. It could just be a lot of sweaty geeks like me who were just trying to connect things for fun. Uh, but it is interesting that his name, you know, kind of connects with with all of that. And Baba Baba Yaga is a reference to some mythology as well, right? Isn't that like it's a it's the translation for the boogeyman, right? That's what they say, right? Yeah. Isn't that I, is it Russian? I would assume Probably. so. I, I have two I different guess. mythology tabs pulled up right now. Baba Yaga is Slavic folklore. Yeah. For an different... ogress who steals, cooks, and eats her victims, usually children. All right, so maybe a little bit different than the Baba Yaga we know as John Wick. <laughs> I don't. I don't recall the scene of John Wick eating any children. But if you guys can find it, please send it to me on Instagram at Luke Marbles with a Z. Uh, and then Charon is, he's basically the f the ferryman of the he's underworld. The ferryman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes people across the river Styx to the underworld, basically. So, yeah, that's a that's a cool connection that I never made before. Um, I'm trying to think, what else? What else do we like about this movie? 
I think it's just beautiful cinematically. Yeah. I think out of the three, this one is probably like just the best looking. Um, and that, I think that's interesting because, you know, it, it doesn't always, it doesn't go explore all the time. It really is mostly an isolated film. Um, it does more exploring than the first one, and the third one does the most um, with going to the desert and whatnot. But even though they just were at a few locations in the second one, every single time they go anywhere, it just it looks beautiful. And I'm, I'm never going to get over the mirror scene and how they did everything. Um, but also just the concert. That just you, you can feel the chaos. And also with all of the like laser lights and stuff like that going around, you just it's... Oh, I love cinematography. I love the way that things look in movies, and I, I adore the color palette and everything for this one. I just geeked out there. <laughs> one specific kill that I, I really, really enjoyed out of the like Hall of Mirrors th- scene, um, it was when there was a guy coming around the corner, and he the, the grunt had already shot because he thought he saw Keanu, um, but then, like, he just shot through a mirror because he was looking around the corner of it. Like, I thought that was mm-hmm. really, really cool. I love the way that they just improve upon all of the kills. And like you were talking about earlier, Luke, it's so creative now. Uh, it's not just guns and fists. Like, there's there's just so much more. It, it feels like the stakes are higher and the kills are cooler now. It kind of reminds me a bit of those, like... There was this, like, really weird period on social media in, like, 2012... Like, Logan and I would have been 6th graders. Matt, you would have been a 5th grader at the time. But, um, basically, I know, I know. Uh, it would have been, like, the item closest to you on your right is your zombie apocalypse weapon (laughs) for the entire thing. Do you survive? And it's like, well, no, because I have a bottle of water to my right. Or a computer mouse. I've got a stapler. I don't think I'd make it very far. But John Wick would probably kill, like, 50 people with a computer mouse and a bottle of water. (laughs) Yeah. And we see even more creative stuff. In the third one, any closing thoughts on this one? Uh, a good transition into the third one because the last few scenes of the second film set it up perfectly, um, and like the whole concept and everything. But the final kill um, on the guy that had the marker uh, and took advantage of John Wick—that that scene in the Continental Hotel, where he just walks in, completely disregards the rules shoots him once and leaves that was awesome that was just amazing yeah i love that part it's so good because you know up until this point everybody has followed the rules and the guy has been manipulating john the entire time acting like a complete jerk and so when he's trying to basically use the rules against john he says i don't care i'll do my own thing i'm i'm the baba yaga uh we should probably talk about the very last scene in the second movie before we transition because i feel like it's really stylistically this is probably my favorite scene in the entire movie it's the scene right at the end where i believe it's winston is in like central park with john and like they're just water like they're just talking and then like i don't remember what he says but every single person in the park just stops walking and looks at him yes i totally it's so forgot creepy. That, that was the end i loved that scene and he gives them a head start and before the the bounty goes on his head and you see all the people are stopped and then we get right back into it and you get put back into this world that feels so flushed out with all of the women who are working uh it looks like an old um 
phone operating station. Like they have like the the jacks that go in the different ports and stuff like that, and they're typing on these really old uh, computers and stuff like that, talking about how much the bounty is going up for John and when it starts. And like instead of um, the 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 ending being like the resolution that's calm and peaceful, it rises up up into the last minute, and it's like getting you on edge, and then boom, it just stops. And that's when I started the third movie. Were there you was, awake for this there, one? There was no wait for me. I'm just, ooh, ooh, I got another two hours to watch. Let's go. Like, the second and third movie are essentially just one. Yeah. It, I mean, it's like the and exact that same. Was cool. That was cool. It was great. We said that they all connected, but I really feel like these two are the ones that felt like, I mean, it's they literally show the stuff that happened in the second one at the very, very end to build on to the third one. Yeah, there was a little bit of a gap between the first and second one because I'm assuming like maybe a day or two or just yeah, but not like anything significant. There, there was enough time for for John to like chill and relax for a second after what he did in the first movie before uh, this guy comes up and is like, "Hey, you know that favor you owe me?" No, this one from two to three, it is, it just fades right into three. It. Just there yeah, is no separation. three. Just starts off and holds no punches like. I, I, Luke and I saw this one together with our friend Joey in theaters, and this is the only John Wick movie I've seen in theaters. Uh, it was a fantastic experience, but um, I remember just watching him running in the rain, and he's got to go to the guy um, who runs kind of like a little medical, I don't want to say shop or anything, but he needs to be basically stitched up because he's been shot, and the guy's like, I can't help you, you know, you're on the bounty, and John's like, please, I have like three minutes, you know, give me three minutes uh and that's one of the things that i felt like showed how much the world had been built as well as how the characters are just interacting with the fact that there's an assassin guild that's just running around and doing their thing people just acknowledge it like hey i know you have a bounty on your head i can't fix you yeah that seems funny like like you said earlier the humor in this movie in all three of these movies never really falls flat i think it's just because there's so much like tension that builds just through watching these fight scenes because like you know that john's not gonna die but you do kind of feel bad for a lot of the other people in the movie like some people that just get tragically killed that don't have a chance like it's almost mm -hmm. it's almost like hysterical how bad how bad some people are at fighting in these movies but uh luke do you want to do you want to talk about that kill that happens maybe five minutes into the movie that we just we talked about right before yes started? please this is my favorite kill in the entire <laughs> franchise mostly because of who it is um so if you're familiar with the nba you should know of the extremely tall player boban marjanovic he plays for the dallas mavericks i believe he still plays for them at least uh but he appears in the movie um, and he is fighting John in a library. And I don't remember why he's in a library. He's, I know he's getting like a book about something or there's something in the book that he needs. There's a, I think there's a weapon or something inside of the book. There was, uh, it was the cross that he later That's took right. to the theater. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's in that scene, when, when he first walked around the corner to encounter John Wick, like I was like, huh? He is tall. Not only is he tall, he is seven foot four and wears a size twenty shoe, according to Wikipedia. Wow. Yeah. You know that's a really tall shoes. man. Big socks. You know what they say about big socks? Big feet. Gets killed by a book. <laughs> <laughs> he gets killed by a book. 
of all things. I thought the pencil was going to be the coolest thing we saw. No, he actually gets murdered by a book. Meanwhile, my school textbooks are murdering my bank account over here. Everything that John did with that book was brutal. I mean, he like breaks his neck and his jaw. Yeah. No, 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 crazy. it's brutal. Yeah, he stuffs like this 350 page book into this guy's mouth and just starts slamming it. I mean, this is probably not even 10 minutes into the film either. It really sets the precedent for how the rest of the kills are going to go. Yeah, and then there's the scene in, like, the big hall of, like, weapons and stuff that's really cool, too. Oh, yeah. That scene I felt like was, like, the perfect length because it transitions. Isn't that, doesn't that transition right into the horse scene? Yeah. Yes, it does. Which you wanted to talk about earlier, but I cut you off, so. Yeah, when we were talking about, oh, what's your favorite kill? I'm like, well, two of my favorite kills are from the third movie. Uh, the hall of weapons scene just throw just smashing windows and throwing knives at each other that was so cool to me um but the scene on the horse where he's riding sideways and it just pops up around the front of the horse to fire at the guys on the motorcycle that was so cool that was so funny like that is hands down one of my favorite parts uh from all three of the movies he also kills the guy by smacking the horse and having the horse like kick the guy's head in. yes yes that was a that That's pretty funny. We are so twisted. We, how many times have we said that these kills are funny? Too many. I don't know. I think they're almost meant to be. Like, they're so unrealistic. Like, they almost have, like, a Final Destination feel to they're them They're so sometimes. realistic that they're unrealistic, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, I could totally imagine someone being able to kill somebody else with a book, but it, they just the way that they present it, it's like it almost feels like that's not even possible. Yeah, I will say there's one thing I've spent a lot of time praising these movies. There's one thing I really don't like about this movie, and it's the scene with Halle Berry's dogs. That scene goes on for way too long. It's a cool scene, but after like two minutes, I was already kind of bored of it because it's just watching the dogs just jump on people. It is a really long movie, and I feel like that action scene took yeah. a lot of the time. But they wanted to highlight that it's not just, like, up until that point, really the only female we'd seen was, I forget her name in the first movie, who kills one person on screen and then gets killed, like, by Winston and a couple of Hitmen yeah. later. I guess Hitmen's not the right word, but we see Ruby Rose's character in the second one. She's cool. They show uh, Halle Berry's character in the third movie, and she's cool. Like, she is... No, I'm an electric character. She's a cool character. I didn't feel the necessity for having, like, a 10-minute scene of dogs running around just killing people. You know what I mean? It was probably just kind of what we talked about. They were trying to mix things up, trying to show more than just people getting killed with a gun or a knife or a pencil. You know, we saw something killed with a book. Now it's dogs. Probably just trying to, you know, show different creative ways. But I, I agree that this scene felt really long. And I was like, all right, there's only so many things that you can do with a dog before it's like, yeah, you showed me that six times in the last two minutes. Yeah, I almost feel like there were times in this movie where the movie wasn't really about John Wick. It was about a lot of the other characters around him, which is cool. Because we see... Just, I mean, we saw a lot of focus on Halle Berry. We saw a lot of... We see more focus on Winston, and we see more focus on... Oh, gosh, what is Lauren, Lawrence Fishburne's character's name? Birdman. Birdman. Birdman, sure. So yeah, we see a lot of focus on a lot of the other characters, and it helps build the world because I do feel like they, there is only so much writing you can do with one character without doing something drastic. Right. 
And there's not much else you can do drastically to someone whose wife has been killed, whose dog has been killed. They're not going to kill the dog again. There's no way. No, that's, there's, yeah. So they really, the only options are you kill John Wick, which is not going to happen. Um, two things. The first one, Lawrence, he has my favorite line of the, in, well, yeah, my favorite line of the entire film. I can't say it. I'll tell you guys afterwards, but he is really funny in this movie. Um, we're trying to, we're trying to stop with the, with the swearing so we can get onto the radio. But anyway, yeah, Lawrence's character is just, he's really funny in this one. I felt like his personality got expanded upon even more. Uh, and then you talked about how they won't kill John. I almost feel like that might be the route they go to. I, I've, I've, I remember them talking in an interview saying, you know, they're going to do the movies until people don't want to watch them anymore. Cause you know, they can obviously monopolize and milk it out as much as they want but they did say whatever happens for john it's not going to be a happy ending because he doesn't have a happy life so he could die or he could you know fail so drastically or get so injured that you know it's just not worth him living stuff like that so i do think that as cool of a character that uh, as cool as a character that he is his life is so sad that it almost makes sense for him to not have that happy ending I was going to say, where do you go from, like, what is the peak for John Wick? Or what is his lowest point? Is it when his wife was killed? Or is it when he, like, he doesn't feel anything when he kills people? Yeah. And maybe I'm confusing it with a different movie, but I swear he does say that at one point. Maybe I'm thinking of a different franchise entirely, but I don't remember what that would have been. I don't, I don't remember. It sounds familiar, but it's also been a while since I've seen the movies. I, I don't really remember anything. I, mean, I I don't think he said anything like that. I was going to say, Logan, you're the most recently viewed. But you can just tell. Like, he just he doesn't stop. That's how you know that he doesn't feel any remorse. Like, he just keeps doing it. I don't remember ever seeing him hesitate for a kill. I know in, like, one of the fights in the third movie with uh, the Asian guy, and, like, he's mm-hmm. finally, like, excited to have this fight with Keanu. And afterwards, when he's got the sword in his chest, he's like... That was a good fight, hun. Keanu is just like, yeah. And he's like, I'll catch up to you, man. And yeah, I love that part. Like, no, <laughs> you won't. And leaves. Like, he he does not care. Is that after the train fight? I believe so. That's inside of the big glass place, right? Yeah, like the penthouse. Yeah. It was, uh, it was during the siege of the Continental Hotel. And that also just kind of goes back to where, what we were discussing earlier uh, with the respect. It's just business. This guy basically idolizes John Wick and is excited to have the opportunity to fight him. And he gets killed and he's like, that was a good fight, dude. Yeah, because a little bit prior to this, uh, down in like the bathrooms or like the hot springs or spots, yeah. the room with all the baths. The bathroom. Um, he's in there and Keanu is like in a bad position and he saves him and it's just like no you will only die to my sword it's cool that they have that kind of respect for each other i like the sword choreography a lot in this one i feel like we've seen knives and pencils but we didn't actually ever see swords i thought they brought it in in a really natural way yeah i would agree i I don't know i'm trying to think like what what what's going to change between the third and fourth like Every time I think that they've hit the peak, like, it's like, oh, this one, it can't get any better than this. They find something new that's, like, really cool and then makes me forget that I ever said that. But I do genuinely wonder, like, how many, I mean, yeah, 
I've heard that the fourth one could be the last one. I've heard that there could be like three more. I kind of hope that there's only one more. I think four is a nice even number for them to stop on. They obviously left this one with a cliffhanger with John getting betrayed. He thinks spoilers by yeah spoilers by uh, by Winston and getting shot off the roof. He falls and falls and he gets captured by um, Birdman. <laughs> which is my other favorite line from the film, which unfortunately I can't quote at all, but he's like, John's like, yeah, I'm mad. And then the film just ends. So, you know, he's been betrayed and he falls down a lot of stories and survives because he's the Baba Yaga. But like, where does he go? I mean, obviously he's going to be mad that the Continental betrayed him, at least in his eyes, the Continental betrayed him. Uh, you know, is he going to try to get revenge on that? Or is there going to be something else that comes up? Because... There's been they've spent so much time in the Continental already. I don't think that the filmmakers would necessarily spend the entire time with him trying to take it down, unless he went to like the head of the Continentals. I'm almost thinking like you know, and the Kingsmen they have the Kingsmen and the Statesmen and stuff like that. What if there are Continentals all over? There's like one Continental HQ, and he you know he infiltrates that or something. That's I I really can't think of where they would go. It's the high table. Right? Yeah, the high table. Yeah, because at the very end, uh, Birdman's like. There's a lot you can do under the table. And I had captions on, so it it had under the table capitalized. So right. it's uh looking like we got a we got a little table uh table war coming up. <laughs> yeah, it'll be I mean, I don't really have a theory because I haven't watched these movies in a while, but it'll be very, very interesting to see how they eventually wrap this series up because it's enough of a success that they're not just going to stop making the movies without wrapping it up. I hope that they don't go for the route where they start doing a bunch of spinoffs. Honestly, this is a series that I just want to see them do the main movies with Keanu, hopefully just four, fingers crossed, and then they're done. And you're like, yeah, that's, I mean, there's plenty of other stories that could be told, but dude, we'll leave it up for you to decide. Just make your own headcanon. I feel like depending on how they tell the story, or where they go with the story in the fourth, uh, the fourth movie, it it might be good to have at least a fifth because they set up like this whole new conflict mm-hmm. between the high table and now the under table, I suppose. Um, so they they kind of have to develop this in the fourth movie, and then but what what happens? What is the goal now for Keanu Reeves? What what is he trying to do now that he's been betrayed mm-hmm. by Winston? Uh, and basically the whole Assassin's Guild. Um, is he just, like, going to try to topple it and shut it down? Or what? what is the end goal for Keanu at this point? Yeah, I think that uh, I think the, that whatever the final film in is, it ends with, uh, with Keanu opening his eyes, and he's Ted from Bill and Ted, and he just had all these crazy dreams while he's in the military, and he's like it's said said in the 80s and he just had all these dreams about uh about him killing people as as a man named john wick and that's how they just they connect the keanu verse once again and he wakes up as johnny silverhand <laughs> he wakes up all all the different versions of of keanu reese's character all of a sudden just have one single thought at the same time you are actually keanu reeves as well you are in fortnite not only that you will be reprising your role in Marvel Spider-Man 3. <laughs> in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> John Wick will be appearing as a brief cameo, along with Johnny Silverhand in Neo from the Matrix. And Ted from Bill and Ted. Yes, and 
the tumbleweed from the new SpongeBob movie, which I have not seen. Oh, he was in that, wasn't he? Look at this. This is the this is the bee rat theory again. No more bee no more bee rats or rat bees. <laughs> no more bee rat theories. Uh, do you guys have anything else to say about about any yeah, of the movies uh, or anything else? These two else? clowns are trying to censor me because of my bee rat theory. You can't silence the truth. I'm just kidding. I have, I got nothing. I can cut. The, I'm editing this. I can cut that out. Yeah, I know you will. We'll see. I'm protected though. One A right there. Boom. Checkmate. I got nothing else. We watched WandaVision last night at the time of recording this, which is Saturday, January 23rd. Uh, Logan and Matt, you have any closing thoughts? Yeah. Um, just really quickly, we would love for you to fill out our guest application. Uh, we had a really awesome meeting last night with Pizza and WandaVision and just planning out kind of how the next couple of months are going to go for the podcast. So we're really excited. We have a pretty solid plan, uh, but obviously things are going to change. So uh, check out that guest application. If you go to our Anchor website, which is linked in the Multiverse Instagram, which is at Multiverse underscore underscore media. Uh, my Instagram, which is at Barton.Matthew and Luke's which is at Luke Marbles with a Z. Uh, there's an, a link to the Anchor website, and on the Anchor website, there's a little logo that looks like a chain. You click on that bad boy, and it takes you to the application fill out. It takes all of two minutes if you like sit and write a paragraph for each question. We just want to have you guys on at some point and talk about the things that you love, because obviously with the multiverse, we want to cover a wide variety of topics. So uh, if you don't mind filling out that application and tell your friends about us, you know, we're, we talked about this last week. We're trying to expand our our listener and our fan base. So just, you know, tell your friends if you enjoyed this episode or you have any sort of things you want to see, tell a friend, let us know. Uh, and then my final thought is that next week we are planning on doing another WandaVision episode. So there will be spoilers for that. So if you're not cut up on WandaVision by Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, uh, February 3rd. Yeah, so just make sure you're caught up on WandaVision by then so you can hear the newest episode. So those are... And we're trying... We will have officially a new schedule... Uh, once we, if we get officially put onto WCRD, which is Ball State's public radio network. Um, but in the meantime, we are going to switch to uploading on Wednesdays since we have a new editor who's going to make it sound even better, more, yeah. more professional. I would say not to dog on your editing skills or my editing skills from the one episode that <laughs> we I are edited, not, but audio editing majors. So, you know. But Logan is, so he's going to make it sound real purdy. Yeah, moving from these guys recording and uploading their episodes within like a 48-hour period to having a couple days to make sure that everything's good, it all flows smoothly and all that stuff. I hope that I'll, I'll make sure that the, uh, the quality of this podcast goes up as much as I can make it. Mm -hmm. And also with our schedule change, uh, it gives you more time to watch the things that are coming out. So our, our our original idea was, oh, you know, if we post something on Monday and the TV show or the movie comes out on Friday, it gives people a couple days to watch it and we're still fresh. But I think the important thing is, is that we're not spoiling things for you guys and you can actually sit and listen to it. So hopefully the Wednesdays work out. And once again, if you have any comments on that, let us know on our Instagram or our, our uh, anchor page. And yeah, trying to make it make it better for everybody else. Yeah. What he said. Uh, we've been the Multiverse Podcast. I'm Luke. I'm Matthew. And I'm Logan. All right. Bye. Bye. See you. See you guys.